0: Given that we have a baptism this morning, I thought we would take a break from our study in First Samuel, and uh, we will be talking today um, in reference to baptism, and I'd like to use this passage in Matthew 3. As we think of the um, ordinances that Christ has given to his church, sometimes referred to as sacraments, we think of these ordinances that sometimes have been referred to, both baptism and the Lord's Supper have been referred to as a sermon without words, or Augustine said they are the visible words of God. We have in these things pictures of the gospel. So as we do monthly, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we have bread that reminds us of the body of Christ that was given for us, the incarnate Son of God who became flesh. We have the cup, the crushed fruit of the vine that reminds us of the one whose life was poured out, his blood was poured out for us. And this is our salvation. It is in Jesus Christ who was given for us. And it reminds us of the new covenant And the remission of sins. As we think about baptism, it is a beautiful spiritual uh, reality um, that is pictured in this that we have been commanded. Uh, Matthew 28 19 says, Jesus says to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And having made disciples, then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when we are baptized, we are making this declaration that we are united to Christ. Our hope is in him. And this is what the disciples did. They went and preached the gospel, and as people were converted, came to faith in Christ, they were baptized. We read in Acts 2 when Peter had preached that powerful sermon on Pentecost following um, the fact that Jesus had been crucified and buried and raised again the third day. Well, on the day of Pentecost, as they preached, Peter preaches there. It says that there were many who gladly received his word and they were baptized. It is their identification with Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And a, and a reminder that we have been called to walk in newness of life. That old man has died. What I was in Adam has died, and I'm a new creation by God's grace, and I'm to live in new ways. And as we witness baptism today, we are reminding ourselves of that ourselves, that we too are reminded we have been, we have been joined to Christ, and we are to walk in newness of life. That old man is dead, and we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for our flesh in regards to its lust. But I think one of the things that is central when we think about baptism is there is this idea of identification. And I've, I've entitled this sermon a twofold identification. When I am being baptized, when a person is being baptized, they're saying that I'm identifying myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I died in Him. I was buried in Him raised up together with him. And I'm identifying with the saving work of Jesus Christ. I'm identifying with this triune God of the Bible, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, when you're baptized, you're baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And so there's this identification of the believer with the triune God. My sins have been washed away and I've been raised to walk in newness of life. So I'm identifying with the triune God. I'm identifying myself as a follower of the Lamb. I don't know if you've probably seen this as I have, but sometimes you'll be walking down the street and maybe see a couple and they'll have T-shirts on and it says, I'm with her And she has one that says, I'm with him. Um, Or I've seen some other ones too. (laughs) Um, I'm with him. Help me. Um, But anyway, there's this identification between the two of them. And in baptism, we are saying, I am with Christ. I'm identifying myself with this one to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to many of the gospels foolishness, to others it's a stumbling block, but I identify with Christ and all of my hope and my confidence is in him and in him alone. But as we think about ourselves identifying with Christ, I think it's important for us to first understand that proceeding our identification with Christ is his identification with us. And this is the amazing, condescending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he identifies with us. In John 6, Jesus said that, I have come to do the will of my Father, and all that the Father has given to me, I'm going to lay down my life for them, I'm going to raise them up in the last day, And Jesus identifies with these that the Father has given to him as he has come into this world. His purpose is is to, to raise them up in the last day, and he is willing to be identified with them. And I think we see this here in this first public act of Jesus as he now is stepping into his public ministry. For 27 years, Jesus has now been down or up in Nazareth of Galilee, probably working in his father's carpenter shop. But the day has come now that Jesus is going to leave Galilee, leave Nazareth, and he is going to begin his public ministry. Now, the way in which he, he, he begins this public ministry might be a little bit interesting, if, as we really would think about it. In the Old Testament, when a king was going to begin to reign, there was was an anointing service that was carried out where a special oil that God had given to Israel was used to anoint the head of the king. And when we think about Jesus, as he's stepping into this role, now the messianic king, who's now beginning as public ministry, we might expect that he would go down to Jerusalem and there by the high priest, he would be anointed with oil, but that's not what he does. We find Jesus leaving Nazareth, going down into the wilderness, down to the Jordan River, and there's a strange, funny man that has been down there preaching. He's got a strange diet. And he's down there preaching and he's calling men and women to repent. Repent. And to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. He is the way preparer announced by Malachi. And he has been preaching. And we read here in this fifth verse that all Jerusalem and Judea and all the regions around the Jordan River went out to him. And they were being baptized by him. And this is where Jesus goes. He goes down there and he steps into The Jordan River, where John the Baptist is preaching and baptizing, it's a baptism of repentance. He's calling the people to repent. How else do you prepare for the Son of God, the Messiah, who comes into this world? How do you prepare for his coming? Well, John says you need to repent. You need to humble yourselves and prepare yourself for this one who is God's anointed one and king and messiah and redeemer. This is the proper way in which you prepare your heart for him, confessing your sins. And so Jesus comes, and it is here that we see Jesus stepping into the waters of the Jordan River and saying to John, I need to be baptized. And what we see here is Jesus' identification with sinners in the Jordan River. Among other things that I think are being depicted, this is one of the central things, that as he begins his public ministry, Jesus is identifying himself with these people being repenting and being baptized in the Jordan River. And so here, as John sees Jesus coming, and he has some idea, evidently, of who this Jesus is. He has knowledge of him. We see John's reservation. We see in verse uh, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, that is by John, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? As Jesus steps into the water and evidently asks John to baptize him, John tries to prevent this. And the words that he used here, they're, they're very strong words. It's an intensified form to prevent. It means to, to try to hinder him thoroughly. And the idea of the verb here that is used as well is that it wasn't just a one-time thing. He continued to, to, to make his case. This is not right. This is not right for me to baptize you. I need to be baptized by you rather than me baptizing you. And so he is, for a period of time, debating with and dialoguing with Jesus and telling him that he is, he is not, he doesn't feel it's right for him to baptize Jesus. It's not appropriate. It's not fitting. When we were in college, sometimes in the dorm We'd be sitting around the lounge, and some, one of the guys would say something about it. He was thinking about asking so-and-so out on a date. And a lot of people, a lot of guys would look at him and say, Yeah, I don't think so. She's way out of your league. <laughs> well, I think that's what John is feeling here. Jesus, you're way out of my league. You're way out of the league, everyone that's being baptized here. Th- this is not appropriate. This is not right. And we read back in verse 11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is, he's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm I'm not even worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John senses the complete inappropriateness of this in his mind. I kind of think of Peter. You remember in the upper room, Jesus gets down on his hands and knees to wash the disciples' feet. And when he gets to Peter, Peter says, No way. Lord, you're not washing my feet. This is completely inappropriate for you, the Lord of glory, to stoop and to wash my feet. And I think John is feeling that same thing here. And I think we can understand that. We could sympathize with John and also with Peter. This really is totally inappropriate that you would do this. John recognizes that Jesus has no sin. He has no original sin. He has no personal sin that he needs to repent of. He needs no forgiveness And certainly that truth is affirmed to us again and again in the New Testament. That Jesus is holy and innocent and undefiled. He is separate from sinners. Even Pilate recognized this. I find no sin in this man. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus was tested in all points like we are, yet without sin he is holy and innocent and he is undefiled there was no immorality in him there was no there there was a qualitative difference between jesus and everyone else that john baptized and we see here the great condescension of our lord jesus christ he is one who has come now in these waters to be identified with sinners In his virgin birth, Jesus identifies with us in our humanity. In Hebrews 2, we read there that because the children partake of flesh and blood, he also partook of the same. He became like us. He received a body. He was undiminished humanity and fullness joined to undiminished deity. But he became like us at the birth, his birth. In his baptism, Jesus identifies with us in all of our fallenness, all of our brokenness. And so here is Jesus coming and saying, I need to be baptized by you, John. John. And we notice Jesus' own determination in this. In verse 15, Jesus answered, and he said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed him. Jesus was determined. Jesus was persevering with John. Even though John was pushing back, Jesus was determined My wife sometimes tells me that you're often determined um, when you're doing something. And I I just realized this week, well, I'm trying to be like Jesus. (laughs) But, of course, many of the ways in which I am determined are not like Jesus. So I, I hear my wife's comment. But Jesus is determined. We must permit this to be so. It is fitting, this is a command, it's fitting, we, we must permit this to be so. I understand, John, your resolutions, or your reservations, but I'm determined to do this. So why would Jesus do this? He has no personal sin. He's unlike anyone else that has come to the rivers of the Jordan to be baptized. And I think what we see here is that Jesus is willingly identifying himself with his people in the waters of baptism. What might seem to be unfit and inappropriate is appropriate now. As I begin my public ministry, from the outset, I want it to be known that I'm identifying with these here in the Jordan River, who are are repenting of their sins. And this is a picture of their sins being washed away as they're being baptized in the river. And I'm identifying myself with these people. And it's necessary that we fulfill all righteousness. I think he's saying, this is the will of the Father for me. This has been the purpose of Jesus, even when he was 12, when his parents found him in the temple, and these are the first recorded words of Jesus, and they found him in the temple, he said, must I not be about my father's business? And what we see as he begins his public ministry is it is necessary for me to do the will of my father to fulfill all righteousness. And this is the will of my father for me. And it's necessary. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who has sent me. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' whole life was marked by obedience, faithfulness. If you listen to Sinclair Ferguson and his little podcast every day, he was talking about faithfulness this week, the fruit of the spirit. And he said in the Old Testament, the word faithfulness and faith, they both come from the root word that is the word amen. And he made the analogy that every time we commit ourselves to do what God has called us to do, we are saying amen to the will of God. And this is what Jesus did throughout his whole life. Everything that came before him to do the will of his God to do the will of his father he was saying amen so be it so be it even as he was ready to go to the cross not my will but your will be done amen so be it and so it is here now that jesus he is come to fulfill all righteousness he was one that was born under the law though he had no sin he kept the passover which depicted salvation and redemption through the slain uh, lamb. Isaiah 53 says that he will be numbered among the transgressors. And so it is with Jesus. He is fulfilling all righteousness, and he has come to identify himself here in the waters of baptism with those who have come and are prepared and preparing their hearts for the coming of this Messiah. So we might imagine Jesus standing there in the Jordan River with that shirt on, I am with them. I am with them. I am going to be their representative. I am going to stand with them. And it's little wonder that we, when we find Jesus in the Gospels, that who are the people he's hanging around And this is the criticism of his enemies, the Pharisees and the scribes. This man, he receives sinners and he sits at table with them. We see this over and over again. He sits down with tax collectors. He went to the house of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. This is the basket of deplorables. That's the kind of people Jesus was hanging around with. And and they didn't like this. But Jesus said, this is why I came. I didn't come into the world for those who are righteous. I came into the world to save sinners. And so here's Jesus identifying himself with sinners. Simply, Lenski says, simply as a perfectly holy person, it would not have been appropriate for Jesus to, to ask for, or for John to grant him baptism. But as the holy person sent to save all the unholy ones, now that the great works, work was to begin, it indeed was appropriate for Jesus and John to observe this baptism. And so Jesus identifies with us as he came into this world, was, took upon himself Humanity. He identifies in his baptism with us in our fallenness, and it will be at Calvary that he will identify with his people in a most personal way as he will be made to be sin for us. He died the just for the unjust. God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So as Jesus begins his public ministry, what better way to begin it, to inaugurate his coming, his kingdom, and his public ministry than identifying with sinners, repentant sinners in the Jordan River. I'm with them. And here is then an affirmation that is given. Heaven opens up and there is this declaration by the Father himself. But we see here the Spirit coming down upon the Lord Jesus Christ, preparing him for his public ministry. And then there is the uh, word that comes from the father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased. It's almost as if the father can't help but say something at this point. As he sees his son in the Jordan River, full and undiminished humanity, sinless humanity, the very son of God there, his own beloved son, stepping out to do the will of his father, identifying with his people and their sinfulness. This is my beloved son. I am so well pleased in him. Must this not have been an encouragement to Jesus himself as he begins his public ministry? As we think about his identification with us, this is at the heart of christian baptism it's our identification with him we might think again of ourselves we have the shirt that says i'm with him i'm identifying myself with jesus the savior of center sinner, of sinners and in baptism we're confessing many things we're confessing that our hope is in christ and in him alone we're confessing that that Christ is the one who has purchased this and brought it about. It is a work of the triune Godhead. The Father had sent his Son, and the Son came willingly. It's the Spirit who comes and applies salvation. It's, it's a triune redemption, salvation. But we're identifying with this Jesus and with this triune God that has brought these things about. When we think about this, we behold the wonder and the glory of the gospel of our Messiah who has come near to us, very, very near to us. We are so united to him that there's nothing that can separate us from him. And when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. And there is this wonderful, wonderful reality. And if you're a believer, I think you know something in your own heart of what John must have felt or does it, is it, how would you ever be identified with someone like me but he does in grace and in mercy and thanks be to God for such grace and mercy that he has had upon us the testimony of a believer is this that we glory in Christ and we put no confidence in the flesh. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, excuse me, as we prepare for observing baptism, we're going to stand together and sing the hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sins? And it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's number 195, and I invite you to turn there and as We sing, I'll ask those that are coming to be baptized if they'll come forward as we make preparation.